Hello everybody and welcome to Afraid to Ask. This is the podcast where we ask all those scary questions that you're too afraid to ask. Even if they're dumb or stupid or offensive, we're here to ask them for you. My name is AJ and today I'm joined by my colleague Helen and we're talking about uh, fake news. People are talking about fake news more than any other topic in society it feels like at the moment and so we're going to jump in on that and talk about it too. And joining us to talk about fake news is Greg Treadwell, AUT Senior Lecturer in Journalism. In this episode we're going to be talking about a lot of things. We're going to be talking about the origins of fake news. We're going to be talking about why it spreads so much. We're going to be talking about how you, the reader, the consumer of news, can determine what's fake and what's real. A little bit of a spoiler warning. Uh, in this episode we do talk about Santa Claus a bit. Uh, and a few a few secrets uh, certainly come up in, in us talking about that. So if there are children present, or if you're listening to this in the car with kids around... I mean, use, use your own discretion. You know what I'm talking about. If you have a question that you're afraid to ask that you want us to, to try and try and answer for you, you can reach us on Twitter with the hashtag AskAUT. But other than that, let's get to the show. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. What's the deal with airplane peanuts? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my and at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. What Donald Trump regularly calls fake news is almost certainly not fake news. So, um, and I'll explain what I mean if you like. Uh, Donald Trump accuses the media of publishing fake news almost every day. But I think we're here today to talk about something that, in a way, is connected with Trump and the American election, uh, election but is m- much more important than, than Donald Trump's uh, accusations that the media gets it wrong and tells lies. Fake news is more... Um, people, um, items of news that are circulating usually on the internet, I'd say 99% of the time on the internet, uh, these um, false and fake news stories are being circulated uh, initially deliberately and then uh, inadvertently by people who believe them. Um, and they're being placed there for political uh, reasons. But primarily, it's now turning out for economic ones. So, so people who are uh, uploading fake news to their blogs and websites and setting it off into the internet where it gets shared by millions of people, they're usually doing it to increase their ad revenue from their blog. Uh, once it's out there, it gets shared. It has an effect. Uh, th- there are various people around the world looking at whether fake news had a major effect on the election of Donald Trump or not. Um, but there is a theory out there that it certainly did. So fake news is news you can't believe, but not because you don't agree with it, but because somebody has actually set out to write falsehoods and pass them off as truths. So who are these people? Well, the most famous one of all is a guy called Boris. Now, it's not really his name, but he's been identified uh, as this teenager in a funny little town in Macedonia in the Balkan states, uh, where during the election he he uh, decided he wanted to uh, increase the red ad revenue, the Google ads on his blog. So he took a a patently false story about Donald Trump slapping somebody in the face at one of his campaign meetings. It wasn't true. It didn't happen. Uh, he he pinched that copy, that text, uploaded it to, to his blog, and, and almost immediately he had 800 shares, mm. uh, or 700 shares, I think it was, and then he got 800 US dollars through Google Ads because right. it had been read so much. So he thought, hell, I'm going to leave school, which he did. 
And then he, he was, uh, and, and now this little town, and, and it was bewildering apparently to Barack Obama, this little town in Macedonia, Veles, I think it's called, V-E-L-L-E-S, uh, now has about 100 of these blogs, which are circulating fake news around the world, because all his mates thought it was a good idea too. That's, that's really interesting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have ever, if someone said, what are the origins of fake news? I would have assumed it was like a bunch of people having the same idea, but it really comes from... Well, he's the guy who's been most identified yeah, yeah. as as a, an object of interest, if you like. I wouldn't say he's the only one doing it, and I certainly can't be sure he was the first, mm-hmm. but he was certainly the one that's come to the attention of, of uh, Western journalists who are looking into this. Uh, you can read about Boris on wired.com, just... I guess go onto wired.com and search fake news. Mm. Um, and there's a wonderful story about about him and the whole town and how it's become famous for circulating fake news. So, I mean, how does, how does Boris, I mean, how did his blog get momentum? Because there's plenty of blogs out there and some of them have a very small readership. Mm. I mean, how did his, well, how did he get that momentum that created, um, well, revenue for himself and, you know, this mm. fake news machine? Fake news lives off radicalism, and I don't necessarily mean political radicalism. I mean, and Helen, you've been a journalist, highly respected journalist for a long time. You know that difficult thing where you have to write a news story. You have to, as a journalist, make it as punchy as possible because you're trying to keep your readers. Uh, But fake news goes further. It it radicalizes the copy. Uh, And so Boris's first story about Donald Trump slapping somebody, I mean, now we probably wouldn't even bat an eyelid about Donald Trump (laughs) doing something like that. But at that time, for a candidate presidential candidate to be slapping somebody it was outrageous so so it gets momentum to to answer your question through being radical what do we share on facebook i mean i i don't share people's cat pictures i like them but i don't share them Mm. because they don't seem to add to me Mm. when i share them whereas if i find something that's kind of outrageous in a newsy way it adds to my online persona if i share that so if you want fake news to get legs if you want it to be circulated then write something that's false and outrageous and these days outrageousness seems to be everywhere and it's it's hard to tell if it's truly outrageous or falsely outrageous so once you've got your fake news story out there and i'm certainly not recommending people do this <laughs> but, but once you've got your fake news out there if you've written it and if, if the topic is outrageous and let, let, let's remember it's fake so you can write whatever you like um, if you can just give it enough of that truthiness to make people share it, then uh, then it can take off. And, and before you know it, your ad revenue on your website's gone from five bucks a week to, to 50 or 100 or whatever. So uh, one of the motivations for fake news is, is financial. And I think like fake news or at least something like it has been, it's been around for, for a while, but I feel like it was always about like, movie news and like i remember on my on my movie message boards people were talking about space jam 2 with uh lebron james mm. and that didn't happen yeah that's right <laughs> you know and I, I think i think obviously there's a real superfluous example and no one really got hurt there whereas there is um suggestion that uh fake news moving more into the political and radical uh genre actually influenced the election is that right or, or uh, could have influenced it? yep yep we're still we're still waiting to see if somebody who's who's really good at um, content analysis can 
can in some way ascertain the impact on the election of fake news. Um, the whole Russia thing, I think we have to be a little bit careful. It's, it's, there's no proof that Russia has involved itself in the American election with fake news. Mm-hmm. There are suggestions it did. Um, and certainly if they found pro-Trump stories and they were trying to give them some uh, some more gravitas on the internet, they may have shared them, whether they were true or false. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, none of this has been confirmed yet, but... Um, yeah, and and you're quite right, AJ. Um, fake news isn't new. Mm. Um, I, in a in a photo ethics lecture I give, I talk about um, a Gustav, somebody I can't remember his name now, 1867 or sometime like that, 1870s. Um, famous for one of the first sort of false images on the internet, and and we know now that. Um, people with Photoshop can do almost anything with an image, and, yeah. and we're, it's very difficult to tell unless you have some skills in understanding the provenance of digital Im- images. Uh, it's very, it's very hard to tell whether they're, they're real or not. But it's not, it's not Photoshop that's done that because it goes back to the to the you know late nineteenth century, and this guy had a photograph called um, Street Urchins Tossing Chestnuts, and mm-hmm. a photo of a couple of street kids, one of them tossing a chestnut in the air. Um, and then after a while, people realised that the chestnut, which had sort of stopped at the top of its arc when the photo was taken, um, there were no shutters in 1860 that could stop a chestnut moving. It would have been blurry. Mm-hmm. And when they looked closer, they saw that he had hung it off a very fine thread. Right. So so fake news, if you like, goes back a, a, as old as that. Of course, the internet has given people great capability, those people who want to create fake images, fake news, yeah. um, and, and basically put out falsehoods as truths. And I guess hanging chestnuts don't have the same gravitas as Donald <laughs> no. Trump slapping someone. No, it, it, it certainly <laughs> didn't stop the world, that image, but, um, but it, it did... It did provide us later on with something to look back at and analyse, you know, yeah. why and how people tell lies with, with technology and, and with um, with news. I think one thing, a point I'd really like to make about fake news is that I think it's a good thing because, and this might sound a bit odd, but I've been thinking about this, and I think fake news is a good thing. I think it's a good thing if we can get people to understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we can get get people to understand what what fake news is, then we're essentially getting them to understand what non-fake news is. Or real news, as it was. Yeah. Or just news. Or just (laughs) Just plain old-fashioned news. (laughs) Plain old-fashioned news. But I I think the problem with the the news landscape today, and there are a few, but one of them is that people don't know what they can trust. Mm -hmm. And I think that people are confusing, and Donald Trump likes to help with this, People are confusing news they don't like or news they don't agree with, with fake news. Mm. Right? So what I would like people to be able to do is ascertain what is fake news, and outright falsehood, be able to park that as nonsense, mm-hmm. turn back to the rest of the news landscape and be able to understand why they don't like it. Yeah. Um, so if you have a political leaning of one direction, the news has come from an organisation with another political leaning, your, your tendency is to dismiss it as wrong. It's not wrong. It's just news from a different perspective, yeah. uh, and that's why I think if we can get people to understand that fake news, what fake news is, then they can start to approach the rest of news and and teach themselves maybe how to interpret bias. Yeah, because yeah. bias isn't falsehood. Yeah. But what about news media's role in this? Because news organisations have been sucked in by fake news, um, and I remember reading before Christmas the story of a. 
an actor who was dressed up as Santa Claus and he went into a hospital and I think it was in, I'm going to say Texas, um, and cradled a dying child who his, his dying vision was of Santa holding him. A fantastic story, which was run in the local newspaper and then picked up around the world, including in New Zealand, by media outlets. And it was a total fabrication. No, I read that story and I thought it was lovely. And then <laughs> I read and found out it was fake. Um, how are we supposed to judge what's appearing in a under a, a masthead that's 150 years old? Um, I think that if you're one of those people as old as I am and still turns to mastheads for their reputation, uh, I think most people just go through Facebook these days and see what's happening in the world, but if you're as old as I am, you're probably still of the um, generation who who will turn to a masthead because it's rep- of its reputation. So, so if the Herald, for example, or the New York Times or the Times of London published fake news inadvertently, there's not a lot we can do about that. Uh, we have to hope that there'll be somebody else who picks it up uh, and, and exposes it and hopefully we'll read that today that what we read yesterday wasn't true. Um, I, I don't know what the audience can do. I think what we can do as a broader, you know, as a broader society is to introduce civics in high schools. And I think that this, I mean, civics... Is, is a subject around how society works, how government works, how the electoral system works, how, with the role of civil society and so on. But but within that, this media has a place. And I think that it's extremely important that we teach media literacy, uh, not just lovely creative media literacy around visual communication and how to make a podcast, uh, but actually how to interpret uh, political news. Um, and, and then maybe with a little, with a growing consciousness of how the media operates, uh, then, then perhaps we can get people to understand that their day might, they, they might confront fake news during the day. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned Facebook because, you know, they came out last year and they were like, we're going to, we're going to come down on, on fake news. And they had a bit of a plan for it. Do you reckon it's going to work? I, I'm, I'm very sceptical, to be perfectly honest. Do Facebook care enough? I think that that's been bandied around a bit. Is yeah, that yeah. Facebook cares more about getting those clicks and getting that revenue than yeah. they do about the sanctity of of news, which is just you know that's that's a narrative. It's not necessarily there is trendy. pressure coming on those global social media companies, though. Yeah, uh, there is pressure coming on uh, as increasingly they're used by radical terrorists and so on. There, there's pressure coming on to. Um, to Facebook uh, uh, to to sort of clean up its act, if you like. And they are now, um, I don't think it's in New Zealand, but I actually haven't been on Facebook for a little while, so I'm not entirely sure, but I don't think it's here yet. But they're starting to work with tech companies and so on and apply a little bit of artificial intelligence to, to the to the Facebook um, machinations. And then you'll start to get... Uh, little reports under the under the item on your Facebook feed that says this article is considered mm. mostly true. That, that's what worries me, to be honest, because the one that says it's mostly false, hmm, which bit should I believe? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I'm I'm not really that. I don't feel that great about Facebook having control of telling us whether it's false or not. Yeah. I think they should do what they can, but I think we need a lot more than that. Um, I I I will. I'll lose faith in Facebook more than I have if 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 these stories coming up as like mostly true. Well, is it true or not? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so then we are, we're all in this kind of truthiness world where nobody really knows what to believe anymore and we'll retrent, you know, return to our retrenched political positions. Well, while we're on the subject then of, of AI detecting fake news, that can be quite a kind of jarring concept, I think, to a lot of people because AI, almost by its definition, couldn't detect fake news mm. because fake news is about emotion and... Mm. Um, you know, like so. So where where are we with AI? So um, I'm certainly not an expert in this area, but as I understand it, um, artificial intelligence is increasingly being used uh, to comb uh, news content online. Uh, it 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 is pretty good mm-hmm. in some things. It can check the provenance. It can even che- uh, of the story. Uh, it can check the quality of the sources. Uh, so a reader might not understand that you've spoken to the lowest person in the Ministry of Education, but artificial intelligence can run it against the hierarchy structure of the ministry and check that you've actually spoken to somebody who should know what they're talking about. Right. Um, artificial intelligence can check facts, uh, mm-hmm. dates, um, and stuff like that, uh, and it's getting increasingly good at it. But I think you're right, AJ. What it's missing and will never have is human intuition. Never have? Or not for a while. You have to ask somebody who knows more about computers <laughs> than me. But, but I, I, I don't... Yeah. I think once it's got intuition, it's no longer artificial. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and Bigger that, question. Yeah. I, don't, I think we'll save that for, a, for another podcast, shall we? We're just going to take a break and go to see Stan on the street, and then we'll come back after that uh, for more discussion about fake news. Do you think fake news is a problem? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because otherwise you get in like false like reporting and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Um. Like, I mean, you you watch the news to like you want to believe it and trust exactly what they're saying to get the truth, but then also at the same time, like sometimes they won't tell you what you need to know. You know, just like what they want you to know. Do you know how to tell if news is fake or not? Generally, a lot of times it's quite easy to tell because the story, like the story, will fit what they want to tell, like Fox News favors the Republicans, CNN favors the uh, Democrats, and so generally you can see from that, so if, if it's really, really far to one side, you can pretty much tell that's fake. So if you see multiple sites saying the same thing, that doesn't mean it's correct, but it, it kind of helps it, it makes it more credible, you know? Mm, yeah. how, how can we stop fake news? Like, what's the solution? You've got to have some sort of penalty if what you are reporting is not true so that people actually take a moment and fact check because they're the ones that are supposed to fact check. Like, obviously the person reading should fact check, but they shouldn't have to. I'm not thinking about this whole Facebook thing because I um, looked at the sort of the statement uh, Mark Zuckerberg made around their sort of attempts to, you know, get on top of fake news. And um, one of the, one, and I'm paraphrasing horribly here, was that um, there's that balance between giving people a voice and fake news. Um, is that part of the equation? You know, like people should, maybe not necessarily make things up, but you know, like we've, we've given a platform through the internet to express ourselves and that's not a bad thing, surely. No, it's a wonderful thing. And, and I think it comes back again to how do we define fake news? Because if you go online and say something and you're wrong, well, what? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's whatever. <laughs> um, but but if you but if you deliberately make up an event that didn't happen, like uh, the slapping of a member of the public at a candidates meeting, and you deliberately put that on, on the internet either for for improved revenue for your website, or indeed you might have a political purpose, 
Um, that's fake news. So I don't think you can start blaming your average Facebook poster for being responsible for falsehoods. Uh, we do get stuff wrong when we publish. Um, journalists are trained and then experienced in how to minimise errors in their work. You can't really expect that of, of Joe Public, who's been given a wonderful publishing platform and is often just out there having a splash, really. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's just about what the fake news says, right? Pretty much, Because yeah. no one cares. Like, I guess Santa Claus, people saying talking about Santa Claus, I guess, is technically fake news. But it doesn't mean... That's not hurting anyone. AJ. What? No. Oh, we've got to put a rating on this episode now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so it's, it's stuff that affects the world on a grander scale. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But I, it may not actually be... It's, it's not about the size, I have to say, because you can have a small community website mm-hmm. uh, with a limited number of readers, a few thousand in a small town, and somebody in that community could be propagating false news, fake news for their own financial or political benefit. Um, so sometimes it could be small but important, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, is it news, is it a falsehood that really has an impact out there? Yeah. And if it doesn't, then let's not waste our time. Mm. Uh, but if it's the New York Times, is, or you're sharing a story by somebody who's just uploaded falsehoods for financial gain, then yeah, I think we have to be careful what we share. I think mm. that's the, 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 the audience's responsibilities, if people still believe in such a concept, are around assessing the value of information and not sharing stuff that is either valueless because our brains are popping with information these days and, and I really can't cope with any more if it's yeah. not important. Um, and secondly, um, yeah, um, is it is it I nearly said is it truthful enough? <laughs> but but I don't want to go there. I just want to say, is it truthful? And if it's truthful, then I, I can share it. And if it's not, I really shouldn't. So being that you use the, the term audience responsibility, how can we as consumers of media, like are there steps we can take to find out if news is fake or real? If you're really keen on this, it's, it's not that hard... Um, you have to be a little tech savvy, but not not hugely. I can do it, and I'm in my fifties. Um, you can check the provenance of a digital image pretty easily. Okay. There are various websites. Uh, this is we won't have time here to go into a lesson on how to do this, but mm-hmm. I do teach my photojournalism classes. This uh, there are various websites you can you can upload images to, and it'll they'll give you the provenance, the history of, of the image, and gives you a very good idea. Um, you know who's published it and where it's been published, and and whether you can trust it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I would go back also to the idea that society should shift. In educational terms here if we've got these issues around truth and falsehood I mean truth is a very difficult concept in 2017 anyway um, but but if we have these issues of falsehoods in the media we need to teach our children yeah, yeah. children 12 year olds I'd say mm-hmm. but how to start interpreting information on the internet properly okay yeah because I heard um, it was a friend told me this her child had been told if you see something three times on the internet it's true and she was told I know I know and she was told this by her teacher um and I was like oh I don't know if that's such a good rule of thumb to be honest but there you go yeah Um, that's so strange so not one that you'd recommend Greg 300 maybe no No. but even then (laughs) the problem with fake news is that it does get traction so you can have something that's been shared 30,000 times or 300,000 times and it's still as false as Santa (gasps) 
Jesus, you guys. Yeah, there's a lot of bleeps in this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I think, and like, there is that uh, kind of social complex. Um, I'm just using buzzwords now, but I know that it's been kind of proven that uh, if you tell someone who believes something, if you give them a fact that contradicts what they believe, they actually believe it more. They don't change their mind. They go, no, I'm going to deny that. I'm going to push that out of my mind. I think that, I mean, I, I think political parties have done a lot of research on how to change people's minds. And I'm sure they would tell you that once you've made your mind up about something, it takes a phenomenal amount mm. of influence to change, change your mind. I mean, there, there does come a point, hopefully, that nearly all of us can tell, you know, yeah. uh, will admit, ultimately, that we're wrong, yeah. if given enough evidence. Yeah. But, but it's, yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think that's one of the great dangers of fake news, is that once it's gone to somebody's head... Um, I think one of the, the most incredible ones has, has been what they call Pizzagate. Um, I should warn listeners, it's, it's a very bad idea to Google Pizzagate. Um, so don't, because it will take you down a labyrinth of lies um, and probably make you believe that Hillary Clinton was behind a paedophile ring run out of a Washington pizza parlor. Now, as absurd as that seems, that story got incredible traction um, a friend of mine in my hometown believes it, mm-hmm. um, and he's a clever guy, mm-hmm. but he's got sucked in by fake news, and we, we do talk endlessly about this stuff. But um, there are others that perhaps aren't as crazy but have more influence, um, but once it's got traction, you know, <laughs> yeah. 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 A guy walked into this pizza parlor with a gun and started shooting it up because... He was almost convinced it was true, and he was going to find out himself. Wow. Oh. So, Imagine being the poor owner of that pizza oh place. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. even the neighbouring businesses have been under fire for some right. weird reason, because oh mobs God. are like that. You've got to be so careful. Um, so fake news, yeah, it's, it's a big issue. And it is important to note that while um, we've mainly been talking about fake news spread by uh, right-wing sources, that it has been coming from both right and left-wing yeah, and I guess that's the tendency is to see it in those political terms, yeah, which sure. is why I was very interested in the fact that one of the biggest names in fake news is this teenager from Macedonia who did it for a few hundred bucks. Mm. So, um, but yeah, uh, left, right, you know, schmeft, schmite, who cares about that today? <laughs> I think... Um, truth is truth. Well, uh, well, it was, well, it was once. <laughs> yeah, I think we... Yeah, I think that's a good point. The truth isn't truth anymore, mm. um, and which is why I want people to be able to identify the truly fake stuff, and then return to the other stuff, and work out whether they trust it or not trust it, because it agrees with them politically or not. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not trying to change their minds, just to get them to understand that something can be biased but not false. Mm-hmm. Because there is that emergence of this echo chamber situation whether it's on um social media platforms or actually even dedicated sites and it's this and there's this thing around the the mainstream stories that aren't being reported because whoever big pharma you name it don't want us to hear the truth Mm. um you know is that is that a new phenomenon you know if you look back over media history is that or did we have did we always have newspapers who had a bit of I guess an echo chamber feel to them I mean what what's mm. is it you well, I think you're right Helen I think the internet has 
brought into sharp focus the echo chamber nature of media. But I do think it's emerged from the original biases of our legacy media. And I'm a former journalist. I, I don't think that mainstream media is in, in, in a conspiracy against its readers. Um, I really don't. Uh, but I do think, however, that as a society, we're, we're starting to understand our structures uh, a little more than we used to. And that means that we can now identify uh, our news media organizations ownership and understand how that does influence its content. But I think you and I know that most journalists going to work every day just trying to do their best job to tell the truth as they see it today. That'll be an unpopular comment with some people. But I do think that the influence and bias of media is real, uh, but it's not a conspiracy. And so I think we need to, again, it comes back to teaching young people how to read media uh, and how to understand that the Herald, for example, has a centre-right position on life. Auckland is a centre-right city. Always has been, always will be. Why would you expect this newspaper to be something different? So if you're a centre-lefty in Auckland, you're just going to be swimming against the tide and that's not a bad way to live life. So, it's, I mean, fake news, here to stay, is it an unstoppable oh, it's force? Here, oh, it's here to stay. Yeah, it's here to stay because uh, because a 15-year-old kid in Macedonia can do it. So, yeah. um, and he didn't even have to make up the stories. He found them online. And it probably didn't even really matter to him whether it was true or not, but it was sensational. And sensational news gets shared. Okay, thank you. Um, this, this is awesome information that we trust. And, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank good, you for good coming in, Greg. Um, yeah, we'll probably put some links in the description of this episode um, to some of the stuff that Greg's been talking about. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for listening. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode on fake news. Um, it was pretty pretty eye-opening for myself and for Helen. And hopefully it's helped you to figure out how to tell if something is real or fake news. If you have a question that you want to ask us, you can reach us on Twitter with the hashtag AskAUT. You can also find AUT on Facebook, Snapchat and Instagram and all those social channels like that. Please rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends about this podcast. And thank you again for listening. Goodbye. You know how to whistle, Justine. What does Marcellus Wallace look like? What's the deal with that? What's the matter with me, baby? What's the matter with you? Speak English and what? How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. What's the deal with everything? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? At this point, I'm too afraid to ask.